Awesome. Well, we are continuing a series today called Once Upon a Marriage. And uh, if you're wondering what that's all about, I promise you I'll get to it. If some of you are like, wait, I didn't know this was a marriage series. I really don't want to be here today. I get it. I get it. But I promise you this, if you'll open yourself up to the possibility that God wants to speak to you, I believe he wants to help you in any relationship you have. Because see, when we do things God's way, it blesses our relationships. It blesses our friendships. It blesses our marriage. It blesses all of those things. And so when we apply God's principles, that's the kind of stuff that can happen. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 12. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, you can go ahead and start turning there. Or if you have a Bible, if you have your smartphone, you can turn there. Uh, it'll also be on the screens for for us that maybe don't have either one of those today. And so we just uh, will be able to provide that for you. But before I get started, I just wanted to invite the intercessors of our church. So if you consider yourself an intercessor and people are like, well, what does that mean? People that pray on behalf of other people. Does that make sense? And so if you're an intercessor, I would love for you to start praying right now. Just begin to pray and ask the Lord to do whatever it is that he wants to do. I don't know what it is, but this morning I woke up feeling like there was something that the Lord wants to say. And this may be foreign to you or weird or different, but I just, I just sense that there is something trying to keep whatever is happening today away from some people. And I feel that burden in my spirit right now. And so I just want to ask you to begin to pray, okay? Just begin to pray. Whatever the Lord wants to say today, we're going to be open and available to that. And I, I, it's not very often that I come to a message and I feel just a kind of a weightiness. And that's kind of what I feel right now. Is that okay? Are we cool? And so I just want to encourage you to just begin to pray that the Lord would say whatever the Lord wants to say today as we jump into this second week of Once Upon a Marriage. Okay, here we go. Now, I don't know what your story is, your journey. Uh, perhaps you're single and there was a point in your life where you've thought about, anticipated, longed for, uh, a relationship that maybe would turn into a marriage. Maybe some of us have had that. Some of you right now are in a marriage and you had expectations of that marriage, right? You know, you had thoughts and ideas of what it would be or where it would go. You know what I'm talking about? I heard somebody say one time that expectations kill relationships. You ever heard that? Now, you, you may say, well, but I have expectations all the time of people. Well, I know. <laughs> That might be the problem. Because see, what I mean is, is what happens is we have expectations of people that sometimes they never agreed to. You see what I'm getting at? Have you, ever, you know what I'm talking about? It's like we apply an expectation to someone, but they maybe never agreed with it. And then what happens, we know this, is if an, unmet, if an expectation is unmet, it can lead to what? Anger. It leads to frustration. It feels like you're getting ripped off. And so what happens sometimes in relationships is that we place expectations on individuals hoping that they're going to fulfill or bring back to us whatever that is. And when it doesn't happen, we get hurt. And what can happen is if we're not careful, that hurt starts to build up over time and it begins to consume us. It begins to affect our relationships. It begins to affect everything around us because when we allow hurt to take root, yes, it creates bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, all of those things. Isn't that true? I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making this stuff up. You guys know it, and I know it. But this is the kind of stuff that can happen in our relationships. And I know that this happens a lot 
in people's desire to be coupled as well as like we have this picture of what it's going to be, but how often does it turn out the way we think it will? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you had this idea, this dream of what it might look like or what this person might be. And, and I don't know, maybe you had the picture. And I don't know why in the picture of marriage, there's always a white picket fence. I don't know exactly why that is. But every time I hear somebody describe the preferred marriage relationship, there's some kind of like house with a white picket fence and then maybe a, at least a dog. You know, no cats. We don't like cats. Forget that. But dog. There's a dog somewhere in there. And maybe there's two kids and a boy first, girl first, whatever. Whatever your, your, your thought is, you have this dream of what it might be. I don't know what it is for you. But the thing that I've found is the expectations that we have don't always seem to pan out. They don't always seem to, to go the way that we hoped. Now, that doesn't mean that your relationship is bad. It just means that it's different. It's different than what you thought. But sometimes what happens is we have this measurement, and if it doesn't measure up to what we anticipated, it creates real problems in our lives. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so what I want to do today is talk a little bit about what does it look like when you get to a place in your life where it doesn't look like you thought it would look. What do you do when, when things don't seem to pan out the way that you thought they would? And, and, and I wanted to go back to an Old Testament couple that you may have heard of. Uh, his name is Abram and her name is Sarai. Now, if you're like, wait a second, I've heard of Abraham and I've heard of Sarah well, see, what God does is he likes to change people's names. And so there was a point where God made a covenant with these two individuals. And in the process of making that covenant, he changes their names. And there's reason for that. And I don't have time to go into all of that today. But his uh, Abram's name goes to Abraham, right? They just added ham, you know. Some of you are like, I love ham. Bacon? Then some of you, but, 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 but with Sarah, Sarai was changed to Sarah, right? And so that's pretty simple. But I want to look at that couple today because I, I think we can gather a lot from their story. Because I don't know if you know the story very well, but one of the things that happens is that Abraham and Sarah were living at a particular place uh, in the Mesopotamian area, which would be like modern day, like Iraq area. Okay, so they were in this area and they were living there and God shows up and says something to Abraham. Okay, this is where we pick up the story in, in, in Genesis chapter 12, one through two. The Lord had said to Abraham, watch this, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And then he makes a promise. Matter of fact, there are several promises here. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. What an amazing promise that God gave to Abraham. This is God creating a covenant. But here's the thing. We hear that, and we're like, wow, that's amazing. Here's the story. Abraham then has to now go to Sarah and say to her, we're leaving. Like, we're leaving. Well, Abraham, where are we going? I have no idea, but we're leaving. Honey, I need you to understand. I heard from the Lord and I need you to come with me. Can you imagine? You, maybe, maybe she had expectations of staying right there. 
Like they were going to be there the whole time. They were going to be with their family the whole time. They were going to raise their kids together in that particular location. But in this moment, God comes to Abraham and says to him, you need to leave. And in the process of your leaving, as you step out in faith, I'm going to do something great through you. Do you see it? See, this is the kind of thing that God does. He, he oftentimes in our lives calls us to follow him and calls us into what you might call the unknown zone. Isn't that true? He calls us to something that we didn't anticipate, that we didn't think would be our life. We, it just is one of those things that happens. And, and there's a reason for that. God works really well in the unknown zone. You know what I mean? He works really well there because he knows us as people. We tend to be quite controlling, don't we? Like we want what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. And some of you are a little bit more controlling than others. But you get what I'm saying. It's like if, if God came to you and said, I need you to go, and, and your next question would be, where? And how long? And, and what, what's, the, what's the parameters of what I'm agreeing to, God? Which, you get it. I make sense. I understand it. But God is interested in something that we're not always interested in, and that's faith. Right? And so listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says that by faith, everybody say faith. Faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though, look at this, He did not know where he was going. I don't know about you, that's hard. I suspect that was hard for Sarah. I suspect that was hard for anybody that wants to step out and honor God with their lives. Because what happens is not only is he our Savior, he's our Lord. And if he's our Lord, then we surrender our life to whatever he wants. Do you get it? And so Abraham and Sarah are in the same place that we are, so they can relate, we can relate. They were in this situation, but the thing that I so love about the Bible, and you've heard me say this, is that the Bible doesn't sugarcoat things. The Bible just doesn't. It just presents it exactly how it was, even if it presents someone in a light that they may not have wanted on the national news. And if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, you know that there are some things that happened that they did that were was not all that honoring. It, matter of fact, it was faithless, not faithful. And I can relate to that because there's been times in my life that I've been faithless and not faithful. And if I'm going to follow the Lord and if I'm going to give him my life, if I'm going to do what he's called me to do, and, and I'm going to pack up my camel and begin to walk towards the promised land, whatever that looks like, there's a part of me that wants to know the plan. And see, God is interested in helping us take our next steps, but he's not interested in always giving us the detail. See, God wants to bless your life. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to bless your friendships. But ultimately, in order to do that, there is a path of faith that's required. There's a path of faith that's required in order for you to experience those things. And what I love about this story of Abraham and Sarah is I'm going to give you three instances where these, uh, th- this woman and man of faith were faithless, where they didn't do it right. 
so that we can look at what it might look like for us to maybe not make the same mistakes they did. Because see, Abraham and Sarah were characterized by faith, yes? In, in the New Testament, they were lifted up as people of faith. They were characterized as people of faith, but, but, but the thing you've got to see is it doesn't mean that they were always full of faith. So I don't know where you are today, what your story is or where you came from. The good news is, even if you up to this point have not been uh, uh, full of faith, you still can be characterized as a person of faith. You just have to make a decision today. That, that You know what? That's how I'm going to live. I'm going to do my... God, I will be characterized by a person of faith for the remainder of my days. Whatever your days are, whether they're a year, a day, a minute, or six years, I don't know. But you have an opportunity to live differently, to live faithful and not faithless. And so what I want to do is I want to look at three instances where Abraham messed it up, Sarah messed it up, and then Abraham and Sarah messed it up. They were living faithless, even though the Bible describes them as faithful. Does that make sense? And so there are three things that can happen when, when, when life doesn't turn out the way that we planned. When we get into situations that we didn't anticipate or think would happen. Number one is that we fall victim to something we all understand, and that's fear. We fall victim to fear. When we're in a situation that we didn't expect or plan on, oftentimes fear can show up in real power. And not only does it show up, but it can distract us and keep us from God's best. How many of us in our lives have not done what God has wanted us to do because we were afraid? We all have at times in our life. I've been terrified sometimes when God shows up and says, leave. When God shows up and says this, or God says, be obedient to that, there's been moments where I've been fearful. But the question is, is what do I do with that? Because see, 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 what's happening in this story that we're about to read is that Abraham, he's really afraid. Matter of fact, he's afraid of his own, like losing his own life. And so, I mean, that's pretty significant. I don't know if you've ever been afraid of losing your own life, but, but that's where Abraham finds himself. See, 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 I want to read this to you in, in Genesis chapter 12, 11 through 13. Listen to, the, to these words. As Abram was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, remember, Sarai and Abram. He says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. You know, it's like, you're a looker. Then he says in verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Now, that doesn't seem like a problem to us, right? Well, at that time, there was this thing that could happen, and it was pretty common, that if in that particular culture, if they liked your wife, what they would do is just kill you and take her. So, so Abram is going into Egypt knowing that if he brings Sarah with him, that he might die. Does that make sense? And so, so, so watch this. This is what he says. This is my wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Well, that doesn't seem fair. So he says in verse 13, look what he says. So you say you're my sister. So that I will be, look at that. 
treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now, the truth is, it's kind of a half-truth. She was his half-sister, which that's kind of gross, I know, (laughs) but that's kind of how they did it back then. (laughs) So he's kind of, it's a partial truth, but it's not a full truth. So he's lying and he's lying because he's afraid. He's afraid to be killed because his wife is beautiful and somebody will want to take her from him. Do you see? He had, a, he had an opportunity. Things were not turning out the way that they thought. The, God had said go, and this promise had not yet come to pass, and now they're in Egypt, and he's trying to figure out what to do. And in that moment, he feels full of fear. And I don't know about you, but the thing I've learned in my life, and you've probably experienced this, is that what can happen is we take a step of faith, and then immediately fear shows up. Isn't that true? Like you say, I'm going to do this. You make a declarative statement. This is what I'm going to do. And then all Hades breaks loose on the other side of that thing. And you start to wonder, did I do the right thing? Should I have done that? Uh, Maybe we should go back. Maybe we should go back to what was because this is not good. And God, you said this is what's going to happen. I mean, you even said it. I mean, I'm going to be a great nation. You're going to bless me. My name is going to be great. I mean, come on, I'm going to be a blessing and I'm going to bless the world. It's through me that you're going to do these things. But yet that's not what Abraham is seeing. And I think that's true in our life. We make a decision to do something and fear comes in. We make a decision to raise our kids a certain way. And then people start to say, well, that's dumb. Don't do that. I mean, how can you not let them go to the this or that? Or you know what I mean? I know in my family, we've made some decisions in our life that's been ideal for us as a family. But some people would look at us and think we're nuts. And I'll just give you this. And this is just for me. And I'm not blaming. I'm not putting this on anybody. And I love the people that work in the public school system. All right. So that's just not what I'm saying. But for us, my heart was if my kids we're going to be somewhere for eight hours a day learning things that I wanted to have something to do with that because it's hard for me to train them in the ways of God if I only see them two or three hours a night when I get home. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, again, that's for me. I'm, I'm not saying that's for you. I'm just saying that was my heart. And so we made that decision. And do you know, I guarantee you there are people that look at us and think, you're weird. Your kids aren't even going to be able to socialize. They're going to be freaks because they, and if you know my kids, they're not freaks. They're awesome. But I can tell you sometimes when you make that decision, fear shows up, doesn't it? Some of of us make the decision to tithe and honor God with our finances. And the next thing you know, you step out and fear shows up and says, hey, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. And yet God's promises you, promises that you will. See what I'm getting at? See, that's what happens is when, when things don't seem to work out the way that we want or, or, or we make a decision and it doesn't happen exactly or right then or whatever, we get nervous. We start to fear and we wonder if God is going to come through on the things that he said he's going to come through. And so that leads us to number two, and this is specific to Sarah. Uh, but when things don't always turn out the way that we planned, we not only become victims of fear, but the number two is that we get ahead of God. We get ahead of God. You ever gotten ahead of God? Come on. Some of you are some of the most impatient people I've ever met. Oh, is that too hard? I know. You know. We all know. See, see, so, see what happens is, I, and I'll just be honest. 
I don't like waiting. Anybody else like waiting? Like one of my least favorite things to do is, is wait. Like I don't like to wait. I really hate it when you go to like an amusement park. That's the worst. Because they're trying to convince you like you're a rodent in a cage. They're trying to convince you that this line is fun. Right? They, they get you and like you're doing this and you can see people and then they make it really pretty and they have fans and TVs and everything that's there to, to make you think this is awesome. This is great that I'm waiting in a line for an hour for a ride that lasts five seconds. I can't wait to do this. Yeah? Is it just me? I don't know. And I always see through their plans. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm not a rat. I know exactly what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing, right? And then they, they prey on people like me, right? So you have to pay more to get the fast pass, right? Because you don't want to wait. And you're like, I will pay more to not have to stand in that dumb line. And you convince me that I'm not waiting. Now, you may not be as bad as I am, but, but you know what I'm talking about. We want God to come through when we want God to come through. And matter of fact, oftentimes we want him to come through on our timetable. There's a story here with Sarah. And it's, a, it's actually a troubling story, and perhaps you've read it, but it's in Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. Remember the promise? There was a baby promise. And at this point, there was no baby. So, so, so now Sarah, Abraham's wife, uh, had, had bore him no children. But she had, listen to this, she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now, did the Lord say that? Okay, I'm just wondering. So she says to Abram, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I, everybody say I, can build a family through her. Do you notice the I? Perhaps I can help God along. Perhaps, perhaps God doesn't understand the situation that we're in. Perhaps he doesn't fully get how this works. That somehow Abraham and Sarah are supposed to come together and in the coming together that there should be a baby that comes as a... You, you with me? I don't even have to describe it. You guys are smart. But that's not what's happening. And so clearly, she's like, well, we've got to do something because God's promises are true. And so we've got to help God get his promises to be. Whoa. Right? But how often in our lives are we unwilling to wait? And so we grab hold of it and we try to get it to come to pass. And she says, I will take care. I will take control of this because the waiting has been too long. Guys, we've all been there. We've all done it. And I see this happen in relationships all the time. I see people who long to have a marriage that honors God and they're willing to sacrifice that, that, that dream for something lower. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they choose the person because maybe they're good looking and they have money and they're stable. But, but they don't love God with everything that they are. And so what happens is we don't wait. 
And then we couple ourselves with those individuals. And then later in life, we wonder, how in the world did I get here? It's, it's no coincidence how we get there, is it? We compromise. And when we compromise in the waiting, we make horrible decisions. And I've just found that. I see that with young people today when it comes to uh, going into debt. Is that they want to live as their parents lived. And they're not willing to wait to get there. And so they take on this burden of debt that strangles them financially for years and years and years. And it's all based on an inability to wait for God to be faithful to his promises. When you tithe, you will accumulate riches because that's how God set it up. There is no better compound interest than tithing. And I know that you're like, well, pastor, is that? Yes, it's true. But what happens is we won't wait on God. And so we take it on and we pull that plastic out and we're like, yeah, yeah, I had a bad day. Woo, yeah, come on. I can't go to Disney World like my parents could. So I'm going to put it on credit. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. And then you pay it off and it, well, you never pay it off. And you're just, you with me. And look, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to make you see that sometimes we do things because we're unwilling to wait. We're unwilling to do what God has already told us to do. And we become slaves to the thing that we bring into our lives that God never intended to have in our lives. Is that okay? See, see, this is the kinds of things that can happen when our plans get messed up. When we think that it's, it, 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 we think it's one way, we start to feel fear. When it doesn't happen the way that we hoped, we start to feel fear. We, we sometimes get ahead of God in all of that. And here's the thing that I need you to hear is that God is rarely early, but he's always right on time. He's always right on time. I used to sing this song when I, in the church I used to get saved, or the church I used to get, the church I got saved in, we would sing this song. Uh, he may not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Isn't that good? Because, see, we want him to come. But he's always right on time. God's time is perfect. It's, it's perfect. And so we have to remember that that's what God is about. And when he says he'll bring something to pass, he will. Number three, the last part. And this is where Abraham and Sarah do it together. They are living faithless, not faithful and it's so such a powerful thing because, see, what happens is when we're living uh, in this place of unplannedness or this situation that doesn't pan out the way that we hoped is we don't believe God will do it for us. Now, we think he might do it for somebody else, but he's not going to do it for me. Does that make sense? And so we start to actually believe that. And I don't know if you know this, but, but it took a long time for God to bring that promise into Abraham and Sarah's life. Oh, brother, it took a long time, and, and I can guarantee you it came when they did not anticipate it coming. Look, let me, let me read it to you. In Genesis 17, 17, Abraham, he, he's told by God that they're going to have a baby. Now, mind you, this is 30 years after the promise was made. 30 years. Some of you are like, fast pass, Jesus. I need a fast pass. 30 years. And so 30 years later, Abraham falls face down. You know what he's laughing about? He says that he laughed. <laughs> he's laughing because he's old. He's an old man. And, and God shows up and says, hey, uh, 
I just want you to know that it's going to happen. God says to him, you will have a son. And, And he says, wait a second. Will I have a son born to me? A hundred years old. Now that's old. Have you ever met a hundred year old person? Like most of them aren't moving quickly. They're struggling, you know, because being a hundred years old is hard. And so, so, so he's a hundred years old. And then he asks this question. He's like, will Sarah bear a child at my, at her age of 90? Like, so, so wait a second. So you're saying, God, that, that these things are going to happen. I'm 100. She's 90. And, 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 and can you imagine in that moment what you would be like? You'd be like, <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Listen to this. In Genesis 18, 12 through 14. So Sarah laughed at herself. She laughed. I'm sorry. She laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out, and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? I almost sense a little sarcasm in that. Thank you, God, for this pleasure of mine. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm this, this old? So, so the, before I get to the next line, so you see the picture? So, so, So God is even saying to Abram or Abraham at this time, he's like, why in the world is your wife laughing? Why were you laughing? Last time I checked, I'm able to do what I say I can do. And then look at this line in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let that sit there for a second. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Ask yourself that question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That question pierces their heart. It's a question that reminds them again of exactly who God is. In the middle of our fears, in the middle of our impatience, in the middle of our unbelief that somehow God loves us enough to bring to pass the covenant that he said he would bring, God says to us, is anything too hard? Now, you know the answer to that question, right? The answer is no, that nothing is too hard. And so what happens, though, in life, though, is we start to believe there is. Now, oh, if I said, do you believe that God can do anything? You'd say, absolutely, yes, I believe God can do anything. But what happens is we say it with our mouth, but we deny it with our life. We, we even profess it. We declare it that nothing is in, impossible for God. But then what happens is we don't live that out. We don't practice it. We don't operate out of that belief and that idea. And so what happens sometimes is we start to question, we start to get afraid, and we start to believe that maybe God never thought, maybe God isn't going to do that. And, and, and here's what I'm trying to get you to do. Could you once again ask that question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I know that some of us in this room want to be married, or maybe we want to be in a relationship. And I just want to say to you, is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe some of us want children. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe some of us want to adopt children. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Are you with me? Because see, what happens is we say, you know, I'm in such a financial mess, God. 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? My marriage is in trouble. Is anything too hard for the Lord? My kids are out of control. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Are you with me? My husband uh, doesn't want to come to church. He doesn't seem to have any interest in faith. Is, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And for a woman, if you're here today and you're a wife and you have a husband that won't attend church, I just want to say to you, look, go to God. Don't go to your husband. And you begin to pray and ask God. The worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is just be on them all the time. You need church in your life. No, no. You get quiet before the Lord and you pray and ask God to intervene. And then you live like Christ before your husband in a way that honors him in your words, your actions. And I promise you, God will begin to break down whatever that is. And I believe in faith that your husband will come to faith. I believe that. But you got to be patient. You got to be patient. You got to be active in the things that God has called you to be. The worst thing we can do is badger people because they're not open to it. And then they just reject it outright. So, so, so you get it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. And so if we apply that into our situation, then, then let's begin to see that lived out. I, I love this passage of scripture as we end in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. This is in the New Testament. And the New Testament is talking about Abram and Abraham and Sarah. Listen to this. Watch this in verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he got stronger. Now, does that mean he was always faithful? No. There were moments where he was faithless. But he's characterized as a person of faith. The Bible says without weakening in his faith, he's got, he got stronger. He faced the fact. Everybody say fact. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet, listen to this, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. In verse 21, I love this, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Isn't that good? And so often in our lives, we let facts, we let facts get in the way of truth. Facts change, don't they? I hear people say they have facts all the time. It seems to me that everybody seems to have the facts. But there's a difference between facts and truth. And see, what what Abraham understood, that there was a truth, there was a promise there that God had gave him, even though the facts would not have allowed it to happen. I mean, he was 100 years old. She was 90 years old. That is a fact, isn't it? And sometimes what happens is we allow these facts to determine what we do. I see this a lot today with the conversation around science. Don't you believe in science? Yes, I believe in science, but I also believe in God. I also am a person of faith. 
Yes, I believe in this and that. And yes, I believe in gravity. I'm not dumb. And these are things that are true. But sometimes we have to see that just because it's a fact doesn't necessarily mean it's God's truth. And that's what Abraham understood. He understood the difference between those two things. And so facts can change. Truth never does. The fact was that his body was dead. Isn't that what it says? His body was dead. But the truth is that God gave a promise. And when God gives a promise, he follows through on his promises because he always will, because he can do no other because of who he is. Oh, friends, I hope you're getting this. And so what, do you, what does this have to do with your marriage? <laughs> Invite him into the center of it all. If you're struggling today, maybe you're struggling in a friendship. Maybe you're struggling in a, a complicated relational situation. Maybe it, it, your, your marriage is just really rough. Would you invite God into the center of it? And I believe this, that when you do that, God will do what God does. He will do what you can't. Matter of fact, he will do what you won't sometimes. But it requires faith. The Bible says that we can't even please God without faith. And so we walk towards him in faith and watch him do an amazing work in all of our relationships and lives. Let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you for this story of Abraham and Sarah and what it means for each one of us as we wrestle with our own fears, our own impatience, as we wrestle with the, somehow that you're not going to be and do what you say that you're going to be and do, or that you're not going to fulfill the promises that God has, uh, that you've promised. And, and so, Lord, we just want to honor you again. We just want to say, Jesus, will you be the center of our lives? Will you be in the middle of all of our lives? Maybe right now you're, you're, you're here with your spouse or you're here with a, a friend, uh, maybe a significant other, whatever it is. And maybe you just want to invite God to be the center. Just reach over and grab their hand if you want. You don't have to, but I want to pray for you. God, I, I ask for anybody in this room today that wants to make you the center of their life, whether you're coupled or not. Maybe you're single today and you want God to be the center of your life so that when you enter into certain relationships, he'll still be the center. Come on. And so if that's you, just open your heart up to this prayer. God, I pray in Jesus' name that the center of our lives would be you, that you would be on the throne of our hearts. God, that you would be at the forefront of everything that we say and do. God, we need it. We believe that your promises are true. And so, God, I pray in Jesus' name for these things to come to pass. Now, I do want to just speak to a few people here today. When I talk about these promises, there were promises that came to Abraham that were a re direct result of this covenant. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that God sent Jesus to fulfill that covenant. And in doing so, he provided a way for us to be free from this cycle of sin and death. But it took faith. 
And so the Bible says that if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's done what he says he's done, if you'll do that, then God will come into your life. Jesus would come into your life and, and, and form a relationship that would lead to not only your salvation, not only your transformation, but also your eternity would be secured. And so what I want to ask you to do today, if you're here today and that's not your story, that you've never entered into that promise, that relationship, I want to pray for you. So what I'd like for you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around, but I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message of, of, of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, which is good news for all of us. And so, so if you'd like to do that today, what, I, what I'd like for you to do is on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. Now, I'm not going to point you out or have you stand up or anything, but I, I at least want to see it because here's what I know. If we're unwilling to do it in here, we more than likely won't do it out there. And so I'm just asking you to take a step of faith today as a declaration. And so right now on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead. Anybody lift their hand. Just lift it high. I want to see it. God bless you. God bless you. If there's anybody online, we want to pray for you as well. Maybe you're raising your hand right now in that coffee shop or at your house or wherever it is. We want to pray for you as well. And so church, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we need you. Would you forgive us of our sins? Will you be our savior? We surrender to you. Be Lord of our lives. Change us from the inside out. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today? Awesome, awesome, awesome.